The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Greenville Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But... On this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. Uh, not getting this out till Friday morning. Apologies. I was going to do it and push through last night. Not only was I feeling like crap, but uh, I was under, under a scorpion attack here in Vegas. Big fucker came out looking like a tank strolling its ass across my living room. That's the worst. It's not just seeing bugs uh, when you're about to go go to sleep or go do something, you're like, and then you just you're you're you're, you're all of a sudden in a Starship Troopers battle war. But neither here nor there. I'm here now. Uh, Going to make this an expedited version. Very little, if at all, talk on Bellator London, which will be you know going down. Uh, t- well, it'll probably be concluding about 24 hours from when this is being recorded. Uh, and my breakdown uh, just dropped, anyways. Here this here Friday for the main event, Team Musasi and Lovato Jr. Um, yeah, not much to take there. Pretty much just went with the favorites. Your old James Gallagher there. He's doing his best uh, best McGregor impression as, 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 as it's been being portrayed there on the, on the old Twitter sphere. You got, you got Paul Daly, Eric Silva, and uh, yeah, you can go read my breakdown on Musasi Lovato Jr. There's Bellator London talk for you. See how fast that was? And uh, before we get up, you know, obviously we're going to be breaking down UFC Greenville, folks. That'll be the main focus. We're going to be doing that from top to bottom as we now do, as per the new usual, we used to go from bottom to top. Uh, Timestamps will be available, though I really don't think we're going to need it because uh, really just a couple shout-outs here. A recap on uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, a bit of that tour talk, and, and we'll be on our way, folks. Um, the shouts real quick, that's right, new new members at MMA Junkie Family, which has been awesome. Uh, I don't know if I gave an official shout to Dave Doyle, and then we got Simon Head shortly after. I mean, you know, there's huge players there. Uh, great guys, obviously, uh, and then we uh, also got uh, uh, Fair Hannah and, and Nolan King. Again, if you you know have been paying attention to to, to hardworking um, young up and comers at their beats, uh, they're definitely on that list, man. And, uh, I, I don't deserve to still be. I don't still don't think I deserve to be on the, on this team, but it's really really cool to be working with people who I don't feel like I deserve to be working with. Just really cool people. So uh, we lost some really cool people, of course. Uh, shouts to Fernanda and Ben and everyone over at the Athletic, um, but uh, but yeah, we're doing good over here at Junkie Man. And everything's great, and I uh, just wanted to give some shouts to the new team members. Um, Dana White Tuesday Night Contenders Series Seventeen, of course, that is the first episode of the third season. Went down the UFC Apex, the future of fighting. I uh, heard there is a tour going down. Kind of the details, you know, they're kind of throwing everything together last minute. But I figure, you know what, let me just jump on this. I'm already going down there uh, to cover the Contender Series show. Let's go see what this future of fighting is all about.
And I guess the reason why it kind of came together somewhat last minute is because the place really isn't done yet, which is kind of expected. I mean, that's kind of how all these launches go, right? Now, nothing's ever ready, and when it's ready, there's always kinks, there's soft launches, hard launches, which all sound slightly homoerotic, but that's okay. Um, you know... <laughs> Uh, Apex, though, that doesn't, you know, that sounds, that sounds pretty cool. It's a pretty cool name. Um, you know, essentially they're going to, you know, have stuff like gyms, although it's not going to be as recovery featured as the uh, PI next door. Um, but mainly it, it's that venue, and it's a venue retrofitted for fighting, which is true. Not many places really do that, uh, you know. Um, there's some cool stuff, a VIP lounge. You know, it... it, it, it Someone said a nightclub feel, and I get that. You know, it almost feels like those like early '90s movies, like uh, like Best of the Best Two, where it was like the underground cage fighting scene or whatever, or like whatever those things are. Like, I'm, maybe I'm getting my movies confused, but you get that era, right? Like uh, that late '80s, early '90s kind of like martial arts film era. It actually, you know, it kind of reminded me of um, was some of the UFC's first uh, film, and you know, MMA, you know, first. Uh, being on film kind of in a somewhat of a big way, I guess. It wasn't MMA or UFC. It was underground kind of nightclub fighting, kind of like what this venue, as I'm kind of trying to describe here. But you guys remember Cradle to the Grave with Jet Li and DMX? And uh, they, they go to this, this underground cage fighting scene. And I think it starts off with, like, Chuck and Tito. And I can't remember who wins, but I think, like, Tito wins, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, especially, you know, well, maybe now not so much because they, they went and did it again. Fucking let's not speak of that, but but yeah, at the time it was pretty funny. Like, oh, at least they give Tito the win and the script. He probably had a better agent or whatever. You know, it shows him getting his hand raised. You know, the characters kind of walking into the club gently, like, what's going on here? And you, you know, that's the main attraction, right? And then they incorporate Jet Li into it because by the time the next fight go, goes off, I think maybe Tito's still in there, but it's Randy this time. And they actually gave Randy the speaking line. Uh, to offer, like, Jet Li to, you know, get in the ring. And it's great, especially because if you don't know Randy Couture, but you're like, you're like, holy crap, it's like cage fighters. And you see this, like, big cauliflower ear dude that kind of walk up to Jet Li, which is Randy at the time. And, and I love Randy, but, you know, he doesn't have the most intimidating voice in the world. You know, he's got, the, he's got that nice, uh, Randy Couture, yes, sure, yes, yes. Uh, well, of course, uh, strategies. Uh, you know, so it's like... So, like, he walks into frame of the camera, and, you know, you're expecting this tough guy, boy, and he's, hey, come on, get in. <laughs> I remember, like, watching, like, being thrown by the voice, like, was that, that really that guy's voice? <laughs> and sure enough, they went and dubbed him over in the Scorpion King. Anyway, Randy's doing great. He's, he's, he's uh, t t not, not taking shots at old, old Mr. Couture there. He's, he's, he's doing much better in the acting days these days, getting roles and taking classes and whatnot, but it's just... It's just funny to go back and watch that, and that's what that that venue kind of reminded me of. Now, one of the coolest things I, I thought is, is something that they didn't even have built. They just kind of had um, pictures, like they're gonna you know do their own post fight shows and stuff in there. But was their control room, and the control room looks it's gonna be insane, like uh, like like you know Lucius Fox's deal out of like Batman Begins, like that's what the the storyboards kind of look like they're depicting there and they're pretty much going to be able to, to just package to their post fight shows, run commentary teams for fights going on anytime, any, anytime in the world kind of, they can essentially just be their own production company and stuff. And that sounds all great and whatnot, but, um, I guess the gist, my takeaway from it and, uh, 
it, it it's pretty much like it, it just to me it seems like it, it's great and stuff, but it's it's great for them, which obviously it should be. They're making it. Uh, obviously, it's going to suit them. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it's it seems like it's uh, they're they're essentially making this thing so like they can pretty much you know there are many not not just myself uh, just been talking about oversaturation many masters to serve you know everything being kind of consolidated to streaming uh you know what's the big picture looking like and it seems like you know from the hypothesis that some of us have drawn in some i don't want to say alarmist fashion but definitely some worry attached to where is this sport going to be insulated now that it is all streaming and not growing anywhere you know the ufc's attitude dana's attitude has certainly changed over the years i kind of miss the uh even though I look at it less of a sport, and I think most of y'all do, especially who listen to this podcast, kind of realize it's, it's entertainment at this point. Um, I do kind of miss those days where we were looking to justify ourselves as a sport because regardless of how you feel about that, it meant that the UFC was really, really in that kind of growth model aspect, whether it was for fighters, fans, and so so forth. And they are trying to make things better for the fighters and fans, but... You know, perhaps maybe not in the ways we, we would like to see, whether from our selfish fan uh, biases and wants to our unselfish uh, fan biases of like wanting to see the fighters just get fucking paid more. Um, and it feels like with this is not only does it kind of it, it kind of reinforces that attitude as far as like we're going to be insulated, but it tells me like they're OK with it because with where they're going, it seems like, and he didn't even give us all the deets, but where they're going, it seems like they're just going to, you know, again, UFC is the brand, not the fighters. Um, whether you agree with that or not, that's that's kind of not been a secret. And uh, this really kind of makes it so, you know, they're, they're really bringing everything from digital uh, to their own production. Now they can just bring everything in-house from across the world, even if it's not there, as you throw it up on the old fight pass or have a deal there with ESPN for certain promotions. And uh, you keep everything kind of in-house and you're able to pr produce it yourself and kind of run the ship. I mean, Dana can be going live from all these shows and weighing in and almost being maybe more of a presence because obviously his presence has went down since 2012 or 2013. As you can see why, because the freaking schedule, I mean, it even wears on that that guy, uh, you know. Um so now he's going to be able to have more of a presence. And what, I mean, so it's just making things easier for everybody, which is great. It's not bad. I mean, that should be there. This should be your mission statement. So I'm not trying to be, you know, falsely hating here. But as somebody who thinks, tries to really think cr critically, objectively, and, and in the big picture, man, you know, I don't, I don't know how much that portends for, for certain growth or, or, or politics in certain arenas. And I guess we'll just leave it like that because we just got to see. We got to wait and see, man. I don't want to get too alarmist here. Um, I'm, I'm talking, definitely talking a lot about the goods of it, for sure. I definitely can see that. But, yeah, I'm not doing a really good job at articulating it. I'll try to do a better job. I really want to – I'm looking at the clock here. I really want to push toward this, this breakdown and get this out to you guys. But, um, yeah, yeah, that was essentially my, you know um, – my 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 gist of it, it feels feels less personal. I was talking to George, and even though I actually really like it, like aesthetically and the venue, uh, better. Um, it's better for everybody, the fighters, the the, the fans, and attendance and whatnot. Especially for those of us who have been not just familiar through the show, but if you've been lucky enough to go to the, the old Tough Gym and watch fights there, 
you really do get, there is a certain rawness and a feeling. It really feels like a sparring session in the gym. Whereas this felt kind of, I was like back at a show again. Now they didn't do music and production, which is great. And everything ran very similar as far as contender series fashion there. But as I previously mentioned, that kind of nightclubish arena, um, to, and the acoustics were great, but it just it didn't pop as much as I like, I, th I thought it would. You know, you didn't hear as much as the squeaking on the mat, which actually, again, it adds to that rawness. Um, so yeah, and then just kind of last thing about the tour, everybody's commenting on Dana White's office and the Floyd Connor pictures. Like I, I obviously am not a fan of the Connor era and that whole image and that thing was even though it really was responsible for you know it created actually a job for me at the time. Um, speaking of, you know, me not feeling like I deserve to be where I'm at, you know, things, if things like that didn't happen, if we're being honest, a lot of us wouldn't have jobs. So, um, there is a harsh reality that you can go ahead and take the critical stance of if you like, but there is a harsh reality to that. Uh, and I understand that. That being said, uh, my contrarian hipster ass opinion, obviously I'm not really for those events. I get why people get up in arms, but honestly, that shit didn't bother me. Like it's... It's a cool picture. It was a big thing for Dana. If you you know you know you know where as far as him being promoter and his two loves boxing and MMA, I get it. And for what it was worth, I did see a lot of Amanda Nunes throughout, and he did have a big picture of Amanda Nunes that he's facing there. So I don't know if that's like a compensation thing because he's just like I got a really special relationship with Amanda. You know, <laughs> I'm just like uh, I don't <laughs> really do you. It doesn't really seem like you promoter. She never really felt like an ace the A side yet. But all right. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know if that's an overcompensation thing, but I appreciate it nonetheless. So there's that to throw out there. And something that nobody's mentioning, there were two bowls. I think one bowl was like filled with candy, but the other bowl was filled with Eclipse gum. Now that is so fucking Dana White. Everybody's been picking on the UFC and Dana's taste in metal. You know, it's very of an early 2000, uh, you know, fucking... New metal fucking bullshit, right? Like that, that, that is so UFC... Right, that's very just, that is so, <clears throat> but you know what else is very 2003? Like, it doesn't really get much more 2003 than like, well, maybe 2001, you go dentine ice, but if you're talking 2003, folks, that like the Dana White golden years, it's Eclipse fucking gum, and he had like... Polarized, all the different flavors of Eclipse in this in this bowl, and like with all the technological shit, all the nice cars, all the crazy things Dana White has seen and done, you know when he was because you know roll the sizzle reel, like it shows him like you know like I got to I was limited by my own imagination, you goofs, and he's like he's he's making the whole thing himself, and you know like of all the things he's just like and I need a need a bowl a bowl full of Eclipse gum, that's right, motherfuckers. And like you know, he's, you know when he did the personal tour for his friends, he's like, yeah, we got the fucking stage, we got the octagon, fucking control room, VIP lounge, lasers. And check this out, guys. Best yet, best yet. Wait for it. Wait. Bowl of Eclipse gum. Every flavor, motherfuckers. Look at my shit, right? <laughs> right. Eclipse gum, right? Yeah, I ain't fucking around. I get these things in the packs. And you see production assistants buying them. He makes us buy it for him in the packs. You see? You see? 
This is the future, motherfuckers. A little taste of the past. I don't know. I couldn't. Like, I, I thought of so many skits just from seeing that bowl of Eclipse gum. Like, this is so fucking Dana. The Eclipse gum. No one's talking about it. It's the Eclipse gum. That, the, that makes the office. Really tied the room together, man. And uh, uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series happened later that night. Thank you guys for tuning in to that live stream. It's a reminder that I need to... Be getting back into the gym, which I did last night. Oh my god, it took a week off, and I just got my shit pushed. You ever have your shit pushed in? That was yeah, that was me, and not the guy saying that. I was I was fucking Ethan Hawk in the tub, just fucking trying to survive. Jesus Christ, I, it was more intense going with the white belt sometimes. Like I get my ass kicked by browns and black belts, and I love those roles. I learn from them; they're fun. I'm actually not dead tired after them, but like, dude, you go with like white belts, it's their UFC, bro. <laughs> Like, relax, man. This is your UFC, but it ain't mine. I'm just trying to survive and get to my podcast later, which I failed to do. But, uh, but yeah, um, anyways, yeah, no, thank you guys for tuning into that pre-show. Uh, the, the fights were, eh, you guys saw I'm not really going to get too into that. Obviously, I wrote my thoughts on it, on the grading the winners. I want it to be really hard. I told myself before the show, I'm like, I want to step it up, and I'm going to be a little harder, a little more firmer on my grades, and that's... Because I want to be that, you know, uh, douchebag dude who writes, you know, headlines, uh, you know, when guys get out of retirement just to get clicks or whatever. I, I definitely don't want to go that style of, of journalism. I'm not a journalist. And if I was, I would not be that style of one. Um, shade. Uh, whatever. But, like, I'm just saying, I'm speaking the truth. I'm not trying to throw a show shade. Just speaking the truth, folks. Uh, so, you, you know, and then I don't know if Dana heard that because he was like, hold my beer. You want to be a harder critic this year? <laughs> But in, in Dana's, uh, I hate even saying in Dana's defense, I actually even like took that out and I wrote, in playing devil's advocate, because it's true. and I, But it's not even really playing devil's advocate, actually more accurate to say in Dana's defense. Uh, because the format and Dana, whether you agree with him or not, that's been the format and it's been pretty consistent. Uh, I saw a few of my colleagues out. Most people were pretty outraged. Uh, but I saw a few of my colleagues out there with a similar stance, like uh, Aaron Bronstetter, shouts to him in the TSM podcast there. And I think I saw um, Luke Luke Thomas tweeting about it as well, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm that. I mean, if you and if you read my article, of course, the night at night of slash after, then you you know that that's that's where I stand. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it it sucks. Like I, I I you know if it were up to me, that said, if it were up to me, people were asking me the night of. I was like Brendan, just because of I do factor things like that in. I know it's not exactly the format, but there really wasn't too exciting of uh, uh, stuff. I mean, there was only one finish, and even that like, kind of came out of nowhere, and I had to really re-watch it to gain its appreciation for Jorgen DeCastro. Um, but, you know, aside from that, it really wasn't, you know, the most the most craziest affair. Uh, Puna tried his heart out, but, man, that picky guy was really just trying to survive at a certain point. It was really just frustrating to watch, and, uh, you know, Puna had to kind of hold him down and just try to punch him at a certain point. Um, and I'm glad Dana factored it in there, but you know, again, there's, there's, there, there, you can always poke hypocrisies, especially, uh, it's you know, not hard to pick on Dana there. Uh, and everybody does, seems to do a pretty good job on it on Twitter. Um, so, you know, I'll be honest, like I'm in my article, I, like I even said, I don't agree with him a lot of the times, but at the same time, uh, I'll, I'll confidently voice my opinion as it differs, but at the same time, it, it really is the format. And we know how he's wired. I don't agree. I don't like first-round finishers. I, I want to see someone go the distance or go through some adversity to get that finish first. 
Uh, but that that doesn't always happen. By the way, does that kind of you know for everything everybody you know piling on and finding reasons to pick at things Dana says said uh, I didn't hear anybody mention this and it's not the the worst thing in the world. I'm certainly not going to try to get all offended about it, but it's definitely something where it's like, hey, is that isn't that like uh is that kind of like not low key uh, low key racism, but definitely low key you know meanness or calling somebody stupid, <laughs> but uh, which. Uh, but uh, they go. What did you think of the fight with like Puna or whatever? He goes. His first thing he goes. Uh, that fight was fucking awesome. It was that fight. Or he goes. That fight was uh, exactly like you'd expect from a fight by someone named Puna. <laughs> and I'm just. And then he quickly like goes and tries to tries to give like a better explanation after that. But I'm just like, I would be like, if I was Puna, I'd be like, thanks. Ho, oh, Puna, hey bro, ho, oh, we just smashed coconuts, bro. Like, is that what you think of us, Dana? I know, I know that, hey, don't get me wrong, man, I'm Hawaiian from Hawaii, I know. I know there's some guys that definitely don't help further the stereotype, but come on, Dana, you can't be saying shit like that, come on. <laughs> Anyways, 20 minutes in, let's get to the fucking breakdown, I just wanted to get to that. UFC Greenville goes down, North Carolina, we lost Lineker in front, which sucks, so I'm kind of glad I didn't record it last night, but although, you know, I, I probably... Did most tape study for that? Some of these fights, as we get to the later, I really kind of breezed on. So don't don't hate me too much. I, you know, I mean, I admit for what I didn't get to. It was just a crazy week. Cause we kind of pulled in a bunch of different directions this week. Good week, just a crazy week. So let's get to it. Hanato Moicano, Chan Sung Jung. As I pull up odds, um, is pretty close during the week and slow but steady. Money came in on Moicano, I guess. Because can you really trust Jung? We, you know, two fights in 60 years, we've seen him knocked out. We've seen him sh shoulder pop out. And we've seen him hit a knockout out of nowhere when he did win. Um, you can never be confident in him. That's why I came in leaning toward Moicano. But I don't know, man. I, it's, maybe it's a read I have on Moicano, which has been wrong a lot. But it's also, you know, it's been right sometimes. But overall, I don't think I'm... I think there's something there, which is why I always find myself picking against Hinato Moicano. And I really like him, man. He's a big featherweight, a nice guy when he came in the studio. He shows fight-to-fight improvements, takes his career seriously, does the work, whether he's working constrictor team in Brazil or going American top team in Florida, where he's really just kind of focused in on now in the States. Um, so he deserves to be the favorite in this spot, but I just feel like he always has to kind of control a fight. For it to, uh, you know, you know, he's more of a point fighter. He's got good jiu-jitsu skills, but unless the guy's pressuring him or the round's close, like, he's really going for takedowns more for points, not even so much to advance his jiu-jitsu. Like, if a finish is there, like a Cub Swanson, you know, he's going to take it, of course. But, um, and, and, and you know, this could be the this thing where he gets a knockout, but, you know, he's definitely big featherweight. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a knockout. I don't think he's necessarily a pillow fist. I think it's more just his style. But yeah, the man has no knockouts to his name. He's never been in a five-round fight, or I believe scheduled. Um, and the reason why I picked against some Jose Aldo is because I feel like he needs to, like I said, control the fight. But more so, he's so damn respectful to these guys when he beats them that I like it, but it's, it almost comes off as odd. And my theory before the Aldo fight, and he actually later came out and admitted, I hate to speculate on this, but he actually admitted this himself after, is that he gives these guys too much respect. And how is he going to do it against a guy like Aldo, who's not just legendary, but a fellow Brazilian? 
And I think that came to pass as well as the technical things that I, I listed. Um, Aldo makes his money off slipping off of jabs. Uh, when guy offers much more than a jab and is still there like a Max Holloway, that was problematic for Aldo. But for a guy like Moicano, who is going to work at a good pace and enough of a pace to worry you because he can win the round with it, he's not trying to overwhelm you and get you out of there and build upon you like a Max Holloway is. So uh, the uppercuts and overhands and body shots and everything is going to be a a thing for uh, for Aldo to work off of, and it was. Uh, and Jung, he, for as much as I, I, I wish he threw a jab more, he does predicate a lot of his offense off of his opponent's straight shots and jabs. You know, he's got that slip uppercut hook counter that he loves. And uh, when he blitzes forward, he was finding success. He doesn't fall, fought many tall people. Uh, Ilov obviously got knocked out by George Roop early on, which, you know, that could happen here. And like Kano throws heavy head kicks, right? But his other kind of tall guy sample size and more relevant one was obviously Yair Rodriguez. And Yair Rodriguez, although he apparently broke his foot early on, was still throwing everything but the kitchen sink as Yair uh, tends to do and shown he can do at elevation for five rounds, both in Utah and Denver, which is crazy. Uh, but Jung, where Jung was kind of getting his success was his blitzes, uh, not so much his counters. Uh, and he, his blitzes when he was attaching, and usually he'd finish with the right hand, but when he started attaching a follow-up left straight as he shifted or just threw it as a hook or a left straight from southpaw as he's shifting forward and the blitz was finding success there. And Moicano, that's kind of where you know the left is what Aldo kind of sparked off the finish from him. And left hands have kind of been his common culprit as well if you kind of look throughout his career. So I think the left hand of Jung could find something on that blitz there. And, and if he starts overwhelming Moicano, I could see him forcing a shot out of Moicano and, uh, you know, he's the better grappler on paper than Jung. But Jung, man, he's an excellent grappler for a guy who doesn't have a belt. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he's one of those guys you can't judge off those normal accolades. And he makes his money off that front headlock. So, and I don't know if he's quite Brian Ortega level. But deep into a fight, he might as well be. You know, we saw what he did to Dustin Poirier off that pressure. I know that was a while ago. But that's the same archetype. That archetype still exists with this fight. You know, Moicano, this is his, this is like, he's like, he's like Dustin Poise. This is his first five-round fight. So I get why he's favored. Um, I just don't see how you could be confident on either side. I'm not confident, but Jung is one of the few dogs I'm taking. I'm going to throw a unit on him for fun. I'm not saying you need to jump off that cliff with me, but that's my play, folks, and my breakdown's up on Junkie. All right, co-main event now, I guess. I don't know if it will be, but Brian Barberena, man, uh, Daddy, shark, 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 shark. I don't even know that thing, but it just got stuck in my head because that fight was so awesome. His last fight, of course, Vicente Luque. Um, we actually could have been winning, I think, possibly on the cards if that round, if we would have survived and finished that round perhaps strong. Uh, but nevertheless, he's minus a 270 favorite against Randy Brown, plus 230. Uh, we haven't seen Randy Brown for a minute. He hasn't been fighting a lot, so that could be good. That could be bad. Um Randy Brown seems like a guy that needs to have his confidence and rhythm, so I'm going to lean more toward that could be bad. But as far as his skills jumping, you know, I think that could be good. And, you know, not trying to throw the the racist thing out there. He looks very athletic, you know, but a, a young black man. Like, it just feels kind of borderline racist. Oh, he's so athletic. Like, can we talk about the guy's skills, you know? <laughs> Can can we call an Asian athlete explosive for once? Can we can we and maybe a black athlete intelligent? Would it kill you, commentators? Sorry. 
<laughs> neither here nor there. But uh, but no, Brown does look athletic and like he can really put some skills on. You give him you know six months away or so. So we'll see where he ends up. But uh, I think that pressure style by Barbarina is going to be too much, um, unless Brown really hits him with a clean shot. And you know Barbarina, you know as great as his chin has been, maybe maybe you know that Luke fight was was change, was was laugh changing. Um, he took some time off, but not a ton of time off from that fight, right? So let's 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 see where Barbarina is at there. I'll probably have him in some parlay fodder. I always parlay my main picks, but uh, nothing I'm, I'm too crazy about uh, that I need to tell you to put in your parlays. But um, you know, Barb's will be in mine, and I'm also partial to Barbarina too. So I've got some bias that could be blinding me in this spot. Fair warning if you're following me. Next fight: Andrea Lee minus two hundred, Montana De La Rosa plus one seventy. Um, yeah, at first I was like kind of iffy on this, but then I, the more I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I like this fight. Like, I, I think De La Rosa, even though she's been favored, I still feel like she's somehow overperformed in my eyes. I don't know what it is. Like, certain fighters really just make my ADD come up and like Francis Marbahos because he just does fucking nothing. And Montello De La Rosa doesn't do nothing. Like, she's an aggressive fighter, but like... I don't know, like, her style is so vanilla and bland, and I it, I say that as it's a bad thing, but it actually should be something that, especially for my standards, should be praising, especially for these female divisions. I mean, she works on her boxing, pressure, uh, really basic, closes the distance, a decent wrestling from the clinch, has some options she can go to, she has wrestled before, uh, but really she's just a strong positional player. And really conservative game, but strong top game Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. I mean, really, that's things you should like. I mean, usually girls are going for arm bars, pulling guard, doing head and arm tosses, giving up their back, throwing crazy volume kicks that really don't have a lot of power, and they're getting countered. I mean, these are kind of like the run-of-the-mill complaints and really run-of-the-mill what we see even at the top level. So why the hell should I be, you know, critiquing it? I'm not critiquing or trying to criticize uh, Montana, but yeah, I don't know what, what it is. I'm just like, yeah, okay, she's doing this, she's doing, yep, that's what she does, all right. And I'm trying to find, and I feel like mean, like, uh, I'm just being honest, and I feel mean even thinking that, but I'm like, yeah, this is, eh, whatever. Um, but if she fights the perfect fight, maybe that is the style to beat in Andrea League. Even though Andrea Lee is more, much more competent at her flowing, I mean, she's got the Muay Thai, boxing, judo, and jiu-jitsu brown belts. Um, she's got the accolades, and really makes those phases kind of flow but she seems so much like a rhythm fighter that maybe she's missing things in between that maybe she should be getting and she's maybe a little guilty of that being a little too flowy through the phases and not really just focusing and settling down especially in the phases where you have an advantage that could be a maybe a, a, a micro critique of an andrea lee there so someone like a de la rosa maybe you know could do damage but i just it was the wrestling that didn't sell me you know de la rosa she's got some tricks in the clench but I don't know how strong her level-changing shot really is, whereas Andrea Lee can do those level-changing shots when she wants to. Uh, she can do stuff from the clinch, obviously, from her judo, and she she knows her way around there. She could scramble safely. So I, I could see Andrea Lee getting into some bad spots, getting put into, or maybe even putting herself into some bad spots. But unless De La Rosa can really capitalize on those, uh, it might not even get to that because uh, there also just seems to be a disparage on the feet. If, if if she can't get a takedown and Andrea Lee starts getting off a kicking range, I think it could be a, it, we could be looking for a, 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 a hard night for De La Rosa. Uh, I'm not super confident in it, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how confident I'd be in the over at minus 290. I might as well just be playing a minus 200 at that on Angela Lee straight up, in, in my opinion. 
If you're really going to look to put this somewhere in some kind of parlay play, otherwise, really, I'm pretty much staying away from that one. Um, all right, next flight is on my actual stay away list. Kevin Holland, minus 220. Alessio DiCirico, plus 180. I submitted Kevin Holland for my picks, and I probably would have done so anyways, you know, my bias there. Because I like Kevin Holland much more after interviewing now. The smack man. He just didn't want to get smacked by the smack man. <laughs> so, I love GM3, Gerald Mearshart. So no disrespect to Gerald. But that was so funny after just what was a frustratingly weird fight. Where like Holland had the advantage on the feet. But kept choosing to grapple and put himself in bad spots. And could have very easily lost that on the decision by the way. Uh, you see some weird 30-27s going the other way in a weird scorecard decision, you know, the hometown people, I think, too. And, like, then, uh, you, you know, the hometown guy lost, I should say, I think. I want to say maybe. I don't know. Either way. And Holland gets on the mic. And, they, and he goes, he just wanted to hump me. He just didn't want to get smacked by the smack man. The smack man. Smack man. <laughs> I couldn't stop saying that. I love it. Uh, so I'm actually going to take Smackman here, but, but listen, Holland's got a dangerous guillotine, and Mearshart's, uh, even though he is a grappling specialist, um, maybe still might not give him enough credit, because that was crazy to get out of, uh, he was turning colors, um, and, and whatnot, uh, and DiCirico, not as good as Mearshart by any way, he's more of a well-rounded athletic guy, I like DiCirico, DiCirico, he seems like a legit kind of an asshole, you know, like, scoozy, bopper boopy. Uh, that was cool, actually. But no, like, he's very, like, I love, I, I'm part Italian. I, I've been to Italy. I, I, got, I got Italian friends. I love my Italian brothers and sisters. But they're Italian dudes, like, real Italian dudes. I'm not talking about, hey, poorly. Like, I'm talking about, like, you know, like, hey, sti cazzi, cazzo. You know, like, real Italian guys from Italy. Like, they, there's a certain, like, bravado and, like, fucking, I'm the fucking shit kind of attitude that a lot of those dudes kind of carry about him and you could totally see D.D. Chirico is one of those dudes like when he's talking about again I love Julian Marquez and, and I think Julian Marquez won that fight by the way maybe I'm biased because I like Julian Marquez and he did some really sweet stuff that I didn't remember Julian Marquez doing the Kimura trap the back take and armbar that was slick you don't expect a guy like Julian Marquez to do that uh, but he did miss weight you know he came in uh, 190 and uh, D.D. is just like He's a good fighter, but he eats too much. He doesn't put down the food. And he kept, like, reiterating that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Dietrich. Okay, we get it. Uh, you, you, you know, like, you could just tell. He's like, please, somebody. He, like, he was just begging for someone to bring him a tight polo shirt and big sunglasses. A total fucking Euro fucking dude look. Maybe some tight jeans and some white Puma sneakers, right? Hey, sticazzi! Va bene, non ti preoccupare. Sorry. Poco parla italiano. But, like, you know, yeah, he just totally seems like that dude. But I could honestly see him getting takedowns here, guys, to a decision. So I'm actually staying away. If you're on the dog, good on you. Also, um, DiCirico by decision would be a prop to look at if you're looking to just have some degenerate value. You don't feel too strong, but you want to have something riding because um, Kevin Holland, you know, he's going to decision more. It looks he, he barely went to decision at all for most of his career. But as he's gotten to this higher stage, we're seeing these decisions happen. And with his fighting style, I don't know how confident you want to be in that. That being said, we could see something different. He was training at Syndicate. That's why he was up here in Vegas uh, with John Wood. So maybe there'll be some more process to his striking on the feet. Because the guy's confident and can... So it seems like he can operate. So let's see. Let's see what happens. But um, I'm picking Kevin Holland. But it's not a confident one. It's on the avoid list. 
All right, Ashley Yoder, minus 120. Kondo plus 100. Uh, I don't know, man. I, like, I don't know if because, like, I just... She was fighting not great jet competition in Japan. But, like, Kondo, man. I don't know. She could be, like... I think she kind of been exposed and maybe could be a fraud here. I don't know what it opened as. The line moved. But, like, I did not feel confident. I like Yoder a lot. She's a sweetheart. Met her UFC 194 weekend, interviewed her on Junkie Radio, and talked to her about her brother, which was, I know, uh, I think Ramundi uh, put a story out this week uh, on ESPN about it. But, uh, yeah, it's really heartbreaking stuff. I think she almost even got me to freaking cry about it, like, when she was talking about it when we interviewed her months ago. Um, but, like, yeah, she, you know, so, you know, definitely feel for the girl. But, like, you know, she hasn't had the greatest record. You can make arguments that she lost the fights that she won. Maybe won a fight that she lost. Um Eh, I don't really think so. I think I think it's about right, but it's just that style, you know. Uh, Scrambly, she's really good at jujitsu. She's gonna have it there, but doesn't go for the takedown enough for my liking. Uh, but I don't know if she's gonna get overwhelmed with volume either, because she was actually holding herself quite well against a volume boxer and Amanda Baba Cooper uh, in her last fight. Um, and uh, I could see her giving uh, Siri Kondo some weird looks from that southpaw stance and. You know, she was countering pretty decently. Let's see if Yoder's did nothing but uh, hopefully gotten better in the last six months or so or whatever it's been. Um, so I took Yoder there. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm honestly, uh, that's, I'm just put that on the void list because it's tight and it's just, uh, I don't know. All right. Uh, this No, this one's not on the avoid list because I'm making a play, but my biases has got to be stated because it's a Danny Gay fight. Plus 125 for Danny Gay. By the way, awesome interview on... Fitz and the Fighter, shout out to Brandon, Brendan Fitzgerald there and his podcast. Really enjoyed that interview with Danny Ige. It really kind of gives you more about him uh, that I didn't even know, which is awesome. So, yeah, versus Kevin Aguilar, the angel of death, minus 145, guy who's been on that LFA, LFC scene even um, for a minute. Uh, and I, did, I liked what he did, took his time. And he's a scrappy guy, man. He's just like a scrappy Mexican kid, but he's got some real talent, uh, some real good counter-wrestling jobs that are going to be a factor here. You know, I just, you look at the way he kind of dug in and sat in on that single, grabbed the hip, and, and you know, and, and pushed off Barzola. Granted, Barzola, you know, I've been, expect I've been trying to fade that guy for a while, and I finally pick him, and then sure enough, he just shoots to bed and fucking doesn't wrestle much that fight. But, uh, you know, to... to Kevin Aguilar's credit, man, that guy really impressed me in that fight. I, you know, not that he couldn't, I didn't know he could counter and stuff before, but just really watching him just put it together on that level, and and yeah, I think he's a deceptively strong guy, like the commentators say. He's a dog. He's going to be in there for as long as the fight's going, uh, three or five rounds. Um, but if you are going to pick someone against him, uh, you know, I, I got to mention me someone with the chin like Ige, somebody who. Even though I give the gas tank advantage to a guy like Aguilar, Ige is shown even on a bad day when he's gassed in bad positions, like in that Jordan Griffin fight, um, he can still come back and dig deep and win. Uh, so Ige, you know, will fight for it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Ige. Right, I think he's got a good run right now. There's a good vibe. You know, him and uh, Puna recently doing well. I think he's going to ride that in here. Um, I don't disagree with the line though. Kevin Aguilar probably should be the favorite here. So don't follow me off this cliff. This is this is bias here. I got mad love and respect for Kevin Aguilar. But uh my love for Ige is a little more. So taking taking Dynamite Dan. 
All right, Luis Pena minus 400, Matt Wyman plus 325. Uh, handsome Matt. This was fun. I actually went back to watch footage on Matt Wyman. Um, he only really, he only fought one southpaw, actually, in his whole UFC run. And, of course, that was his debut where he lost by knockout to Spencer the Kingfisher. I forgot about that. Spencer the Kingfisher taunts him. Matt fucking takes it personal. I was like, come on, motherfucker. He's bleeding. Going into the round two or three or whatever it was. Round two, I think it was. And then Spencer hits him with that right hand, and Matt goes, I'm not hurt, and waves no, no, no to the crowd, and then gets hit with a fucking leveled by a flying knee. That was like Yoel Romero, uh, Weidman style, or Borg's Pico style, so it was very apropos. Fun rewatch there, if you guys want to go watch that. But Matt Weidman was essentially the guy that just kind of made things ugly. He was always kind of frustrating. Like I'm, He always overperformed. I, I would pick against this guy so much, and I'd be like, God damn, how does he keep fucking winning? Um... You know, he got, uh, then he gets knocked out again by TJ Grant. That was a fun fight to watch, too. God damn, TJ Grant was good. He would have fucking beat Pettis, man. He would have beat Pettis. I wouldn't have picked him at the time because Pettis, you know, we didn't, we haven't really, we weren't really familiar with his cracks. But man, look, looking back, I knew TJ Grant was good with my old eyes, but going back on these eyes, a guy that I've never had to really watch his fights on the other side of, it's, it's been so long. Holy shit, was that guy good? I mean, you know, training out of fucking butt fuck Egypt, Nova Scotia, but would take the trips to Thailand, and the shit that he was hitting in the clinch and those trans, the wrist controls, the Thai plum, like it was so fucking high level. Like, god damn, it's such a shame that concussion shit got him too. Fuck man, T.J. Grant, like, fucking ah, top five Canadian fighters, top five lightweight winning streaks, T.J. Fucking Grant. All right, um. But yeah, uh, Matt Wyman's back now, uh, and he had a fight planned. He was only like, kind of fighting once a year toward the end, 2013, 2012, 2014. Had a fight scheduled for 2015 uh, against Leo Santos, another guy who doesn't come around very often, and now he returns to the forest. Uh, but Matt Wyman had a back injury, so maybe it was back injury. I don't know, man, but remember he showed up to that fight? Like He had no sponsors on his shorts. He was vegan. Uh, he fucking was wearing like suspenders and weird glasses. Like he had the hipster look going on. Like what? What are you? You, you still love Jesus almost in a weird way. Like what are you, Matt Wyman? What are you? I, I like him because he likes his dogs and would leave his. And that's one thing I liked. I remember one post fight interview. It was just like left my TV on, so to my dogs at home. Like seemed like a nice enough dude, man. So no hate, but it was just frustrating. Like what are you, Matt Wyman? As a fighter, what are you? denying, not denying media, or denying media, but taking his fight. Like, what, what is he doing? And for that reason alone, I'll take Luis Pena, the tall southpaw, but I don't know how you can trust Pena. I still don't trust him. I took Steve Peterson as a flyer just for him to make it ugly. Um, it wasn't the greatest pick. I haven't gone back to rewatch that fight, but I do believe there are a path. You do got to make it ugly against a guy like Luis Pena. So there's a path for Matt Wyman, man. Um, if you just want to stay away from this fight, I mean, my pick is Pena, but I'm staying away betting-wise. But if I were... If I were to sprinkle something, I would say maybe Matt Wyman by submission is probably his best route or decision, but that submission prop is like plus 11.25 or some shit. So if you want to sprinkle like that and stay the fuck away and watch the circus, then maybe that's the best way to enjoy that fight. All right. Uh, Jarsenio Rosenstruck minus 210 versus Alan Crowder. Dude, I didn't even know who the fuck this guy was, and he fought in the UFC. Like, it's probably, again, just this oversaturation age. And, like, by the time the UFC fight's come in, like, it's great. I don't want to complain. Fucking hats off to you European d d dudes and ladies out there having to stay up late to watch it. You East Coasters, even in the United States, have been getting punished. And this is a, 
United States-centric things. Don't hit me too hard. You know, it's an American company, an American quote-unquote sport. So, you know, hey, it should be catered to us. But I got sympathy for people around the world. I got sympathy for the East Coasters. But goddamn, putting it early in the day, like, just kills the whole Saturday. You know, whether you want to get a workout, get some errands done. Nope, the UFC, it's right up there. God forbid you want to sleep on that day. Anyways, for those West Coasters who... Anyways, but uh, so I, anyway, I was probably one of those days where I had to go like run some errands or some shit, so I didn't even see his fight versus Junior Albini. And then again, I was shouts to Aaron Bronson. I was listening to his podcast last week, and I'm like, he was already getting into some Greenville predictions. He's like, Rosenstruck. I'm like, who's this Rosenstruck? I'm like, Aaron, you just like, because like, you know, the way it's spelled, from at least from the way it's said, I'm like, Rosenstruck, is this guy a Jew? Like, it was, it was this guy, uh, is, you know. Uh, is Aaron just popping for this guy because he's Jewish, huh? Rosenstruck. I'm like, oh no, no. This, yeah, okay, this guy, this guy looks like, you know, not a world beater, but like, yeah, he definitely looks like he beat out Alan Crowder. That number is justified. By the way, of course, y'all know I love Aaron. I love my Jewish brothers and system sisters. Wasn't Fiddler in the Roof for crying out loud? Come on. Uh, but but yeah, it was just funny because if you just look at the way his name is spelt to like how you know, and then I just associate you know I'm like oh yeah, Aaron's gonna pop for maybe someone who's Canadian or someone who's Jewish or something there. You know, I'm just, I'm just stereotyping there, and then I'm like oh it's a big it's a big black dude from this country I've never heard of named surname. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking like Rosenstruck is this guy a Canadian Jew? And it just it just was funny. Maybe this is more of a visual joke, folks. And of course I'm not. <laughs> throwing anything at Aaron there. I love Aaron, but but yeah, it just, it just uh, it, he played a part in, in me developing this this false image. So it was very shocking to see who the gentleman was. But yeah, um, I don't know if I'm gonna lay minus two ten for a low level heavyweight fight. That said, the line is right for whatever's that that's worth. You want to go ahead and try to take a stab at Rosenstruck, but he's pretty much chalked up, folks. So I'm just picking him and I'm just pretty much staying away. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, by the way, Iga Aguilar was on my avoid list because of my bias, and it's a close fight, so that was the last one on my avoid list. I'll recap stuff at the end, as I always do. Uh, time stamps throughout, because I think I went 20 before actually getting to the breakdown here. All right, Ariana Lipsky, minus 275, Molly McCann, plus 235. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't go back to rewatch their fights, but I, I, I do think the line sounds about right. I'm taking Lipsky here. I'm not playing it, though. I don't know if I'm confident enough for that chalk. Um... I mean, we can beat Cachoeira, granted, her last fight, but uh, still, um, I don't know how her boxing is going to match up to Lipsky, and Lipsky, I believe, has got like a low-key Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, so if it does go to the ground, uh, she should have the advantage there, so yeah, I'll take Lipsky, not much to say on that fight, um, I don't feel too great about these overs either, if you're looking for those things, because like, some of them I could actually see a finish. Uh, this one, maybe, if Lipsky comes out and looks how she's supposed to. Uh, but I'm not confident. I will pick her, though. Um, man, I, I think I've only taken, like, two dogs so far. Well, let's make it three. I'm going to take Eric Spicy or plus 230. I know it's short notice against Daron Wynn. But whether it's uh, skateboard and pro wrestling, and believe it or not, folks, I know I, I didn't realize until this fight got booked, Spicely's been active outside. Actually getting some TKOs and KOs over some somewhat noticeable names like Cal Magalash and some other gentleman I don't have right in front of me at the moment. Um, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, uh, and uh, Spicely, as we can see, can upset in just really bad spots. I don't know if it was short notice against Tiago Santos, but I mean, it might as well have been um, at that point. Uh, in time, and even since then, Santos has just gotten better since then. 
So, um, yeah, I, I got to see more of Darren Wynn, you know? A, a, a guy's 5'5 five five listed, I guess. Is he really that short? Jesus. At middleweight, and we've only seen him against Tom Lawler. Um, and now he's going to get a, good, a guy who he's not going to want to take down. And Spicely, you know, he's getting better at his striking. And if he wants to, he can be a frustrating guy. He can kind of stay on his toes, be in and out. He's already going to have a big reach advantage. So if he wants to be frustrating, safe, and conservative, he can and force uh, Darren Wynn to kind of close distance poorly, whether it be with a shot or otherwise, and get caught with something. Um, so I'm probably going to take Spicely straight up, and I played him by sub at plus 450, just through a quarter unit. You don't got to go off the cliff with me. I'm not super confident in this pick. This is just, you know, this is just kind of a, a weird matchup that I think we de you definitely got to either, you know, dog or pass. You, we got to see more on win for him to justify these odds on the big stage. Um, he hasn't fought, you know, since November of last year, and I don't know. I'm sure he's always in shape, but he hasn't been this light in a decade or something he quoted. I don't know. That's good. You fight it the way you're used to. So we'll see how that affects him. Uh, Anderson Dos Santos. No, that is not a, a misprint of an early Reebok era t-shirt. That is a fighter. He's pretty damn good, too. Um, of course, he came out of my radar. Uh, fuck. What was that fighting organization? Was it Titan where you beat Ricky Simone? Vato Simone. Where you beat Ricky Simone. Uh, but he's your, t you know... Again, not your typical uh, T-shirt, but you know, does the typical archetypes: Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, Muay Thai accolades, amateur. Um, so he's a dangerous guy. He just kind of fights in a way that always makes fights fun, but also kind of close. So uh, this fight's closer than it probably will be than it should be. I'm taking Anderson Dos Santos against Andre Ull. Uh, I don't know why I took Andre Ull against Nathaniel Wood last time. That that line shouldn't have been as close as it was. I think I just took a shot on the dog just just because. Uh, I, I saw um, Nathaniel Wood just get hurt a lot, and then Nathaniel Wood decided that fight to start fighting smart, which is great, and he should. And I like Daniel Nathaniel Wood. And I'm on board that train. But between that and those moments in the Hen and Burrell fight, I think Ool got exposed. I guess is what I'm trying to say is why I'm not confident in him here. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think if Dos Santos can fight smart, he should be able to win this fight. But that's not really Dos Santos's thing, which is probably why the line is as close as it is. Uh, give me Dos Santos. It's low enough to where I might just degen play if I'm like actually have some time before the card starts. Um, and I'm sitting around, but pff, I'm not. I'm not confident in it. All right, guys. Uh, recap of uh, picks. Bellator. I pretty much just took the favorites. If you even give a shit about that. But yes, Greenville. Uh, I'm taking Chan Sung Jung over Nato Moicano. I'm taking. Brian Bam Bam Barberino over Randy Brown. Taking Andrew KGB Lee over Montana De La Rosa. Taking Kevin Holland over Alicia DiCirico. Taking Ashley Yoder over Siri Kondo. Taking Dan Ige over Kevin the Angel Death Aguilar. Taking Luis Pena over Matt Wyman. Taking Charcinio Rosenstruck. Ha, Michael, have you heard about this Rosenstruck fella? Over Alan Crowder. <laughs> <laughs> I got love for my Jewish brothers and sisters. Don't take that the wrong way. Aaron, taking Ariana Lipsky over Molly McCann. Taking Darren Wynn. Oh, taking Eric Spicy over Darren Wynn. I'm sorry. Taking Anderson Dos Santos over Andre Ull. Avoid list Kondo Yoder, DiCirico Holland, Ige Aguilar. Props. Taking Spicy by sub. 
Agents in the fun flyer, Matt Wyman, even though I beat against him by submission, plus 1100. Uh, you know, not, not really any parlays worth mentioning. You know, I'm going to parlay the main card picks, went over that in the breakdown. No, no parlays to mention, but straight plays. Bias got me taking the shot on Ige. I'll probably, I'll probably lay spicy straight a little bit too, sprinkle. Uh, and then taking Jung for one unit. All right. Um, thanks for listening. Apologize for the late episode. Hopefully I made it fast and expedient for you. Good luck this weekend. And always protect your necks.